0: Today on The Courier Daily.
1: Man is a part of nature. We are subsidiary to the natural order. And obviously the environmental crisis, nature is biting back. But now here we are, we've got a 400 nanometer virus biting back. The natural world is biting back. The natural world is way superior to us. And so for me, I I think... In answering your question, in terms of maybe Vitsu's business, but in terms of the opportunity for us as a human race, my God, we mustn't let this crisis go to waste.
0: And a bit later on,
2: it's like a weird driving analogy, but like with my partner and I, when we're driving and I say, just hold your lane, hold your lane, you know, when there's like cars zooming past you and and the car's like shaking because we've got a really crappy car and it's just like hold your space and don't be pushed around by the wind or the other car zooming past and that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment.
0: I'm Daniel Giacopelli, it's the 7th of April and this is the brand new daily podcast from Courier. We start the show today with a look at how the global health crisis is affecting one of the world's most famous design brands. Mark Adams is managing director of Vitsu, best known for its universal shelving system, invented way back in the early 1960s by the industrial design legend Dieter Rams. For decades, Vitsu, which has stores in London, Munich, New York, and L.A., and a headquarters in central England, has built an intensely loyal customer base around the world. Well, just a bit earlier, I caught up with Mark to hear how the company's faring.
1: If you value us, this is kind of the time where you do need to support us. I think irrespective of what we make, frankly, because as you've probably heard me say before, Daniel, I I don't think Vitsu is a furniture company. Yes, we happen to make furniture, but and I think there are many people who genuinely support us, not necessarily because of the, the furniture.
0: Yeah, that's true. You, you tend to have a A customer base that's rabidly obsessed with the things you create. I saw you posting on Instagram about that, you know, people apologizing for only being able to buy one shelf, for instance, or something like that.
1: But every single one counts. Yeah, so we're in the mode of trying absolutely to... Keep ticking over at a low level, cutting our cloth to to suit. I've just come directly to you now from calls one to one calls to our employees in the U.S. discussing salary reductions with them because we've done the, the furloughing uh, in the U.K. last week. We're taking salary reductions in the U.K. now. We'll work through the U.S. and then finally Germany. So we'll have been round everybody one to one in the entire business to just ensure that everybody can support him whatever best way they can. Some people are working much harder than normal. Some people are working less hard than normal. And we're all adjusting to
0: that. What is a snapshot of the company right now in terms of the workforce and, and the stores? So obviously all of your stores are closed.
1: Long since closed, yeah. So all five um, went within about four days of each other. LA first, then New York and London, Leamington and Munich all went pretty well at the same time. So within about a six-day window, everything had gone,
0: yeah. What proportion of the of your sales come from the brick-and-mortar stores and what comes from online?
1: Well, that's you can never you can never tell um, because we're we're so blurred between between the digital world and the physical world, and, and for me that's the absolute beauty of it. So we we sit precisely between those worlds. But what we do know is that the the footfall is important to us. That coming in, kicking the tires, checking that the the product works, finding out that we're actually vaguely intelligent human beings. That's what starts the relationship. So. Yeah, Yeah, once the shock had happened because two weeks ago was was our worst sales wise last week was slightly better
0: worst in terms of what for the year
1: yeah oh yeah worst for the year yeah because it went went catastrophically off i mean us we are now one third of the level of what we were four weeks ago so yeah we've lost precisely 66 percent of it We've lost, but then that's not 100% or not yet anyway. So let's look on the bright side, Joey.
0: Let's look on the bright side. I mean, as you said, you make a product that people adore. And in fact, it does surprise me a bit because, you know, you've been posting on the social account, well, Vitsu's been posting on, on the main account, brilliant photos of people around the world using Vitsu to work from home. You know, if you go to the IKEA website, and I'm not comparing you at all to IKEA, but if you go on the IKEA, all of their desks are just sold out. I mean, it seems like people are buying desks right now just to work from home. Have you have you found that's the case?
1: Yeah, I don't think quite in their, their volume terms, but no, and that's why we're we're really um, working very hard to keep our supply chain working because that has been the the major pressure and that the Boris Johnson statement precisely two weeks ago from where we're talking now eight thirty that Monday two weeks ago was was an absolute disaster because um, that was the one that spooked everybody and where we, over the the next four days of that week, we lost single or multiple suppliers every day because they, they were just losing their workforce so quickly and yeah it, it caused huge huge panic and and then all, all the manufacturing organizations were actually having to rush around and clarify over the next 36 hours of no he hasn't asked every business to close down he's asked you not to make unnecessary journeys but if your work can't be done at home then with all of the suitable behavioral constraints in place you can continue to do your job and that has absolutely been my bid to the the various manufacturing other organisations is please don't close us down entirely. We can operate in a safe way. We can um, continue bringing customers. We can continue to pay our bills. I think suppliers of ours really grateful that we paid our entire supply chain at the end of March. More than 60 companies we paid at the end of March and we had suppliers saying thank you to us because then they can pay some of their bills or some of their salaries and and keep this thing going. So we've got suppliers with whom we are in daily contact who will keep their business going for as long as we keep going because they want to support us and because they know that in supporting us we will pay our bills and the whole thing goes around and if we can all stay in business we can pay our taxes and guess what the taxes pay for? They pay for the NHS for example and we're none of us naive enough to think after the 2008-2009 crisis that this hasn't got to be paid for what's happening now has absolutely got to be paid for and paid for big time so i think it's absolutely paramount that safely we can keep our businesses going obviously we've got everybody working at home as we possibly can, but we we can't build the furniture and pack the orders and dispatch the containers without people doing that. And so for me in this, they're the absolute unsung heroes, Uh, those
0: boys and girls at FITSU who are keeping the show on the road and, and you recently 2017 built that gorgeous production facility um you know it's all beautiful wood and to,
1: to which you've not yet been i haven't have you, Daniel?
0: <laughs> i was just gonna say i've seen no. i've seen photos and it looks like a cathedral <laughs> wood everywhere bright lights really high cathedral ceilings i mean is that i just had a standstill right now or do you have people a couple meters apart packing furniture i mean what's what's the factory look like
1: we've gotten people way more than a couple of meters apart in there because of the size and so i'm only at home today because my wife has just not been feeling too great so i said okay i'll be around and uh, not going to vitsu but otherwise i've been in there all the way through that building with its size um, we've got all of the scope for separation our chef has been doing a wonderful job in supporting everybody with the food but somebody quite an intelligent guy came in about two years ago as we were settling in and he'd been with us oh an hour hour and a half and he turned to me and he said mark this is true modernism and um, what he was understanding is that it is Natural light, natural ventilation, natural materials. It's everything where the modern movement came from, the horrors of the First World War, the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, 1919, killing more people than the First World War, whatever, about 50 million people killed in that. And that was the, the birth of buildings that let in light, that were clean hygienic but there were swimming pools places you could be outside and inside uh, Alvar altos paimeo sanatorium etc what then became known as a style actually was the birth of trying to build beyond the horrors of the First World War and the horrors of the the Spanish flu pandemic. And somebody came into our building two years ago and went, whoa, I, I can really feel that spirit in here. And yet the building isn't made of white rendered concrete or whatever, which you might think of as modernism. So when he said this is true modernism, I thought it was a perceptive statement. So, too early to tell whether that is really going to work for us. But I think we have as healthier building as we can have in this situation.
0: You're running this adored, legendary brand, been around for 60 years. You're the captain of the ship. Would you say this is the the most uh, unstable it's ever been, the company, uh, with the future uncertain? Or has it gone through times before when it was just as dire?
1: It is one of the, the three. Um I, I think as you recall, I spent two years in Germany, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, Niels Witzu died in ninety five without having sorted out succession, and that was that was a very messy time and I would say looking back that was probably more personally stressful for me of recovering the pieces of the company in and, and rebuilding from 95 and then yeah 0809 and making redundancies in april 2009 was not enjoyable at all as as the world came to a, a stop there but and again we're only about three weeks into this one yet so it, it's too soon to tell now this can allow us at all levels at a global level, a societal level, a business level, an individual level, to make really profound changes. I think you'll recall, I'm a zoologist. My background is is the, the natural world, the, the biological world. And in lectures I give for years, I've been saying that man is a part of nature. We are subsidiary to the natural order. And Obviously, the environmental crisis, nature is biting back. But now here we are, we've got a 400 nanometer virus biting back. The natural world is biting back. The natural world is way superior to us. And so for me, I I think in answering your question in terms of maybe Vitsu's business, but in terms of the opportunity for us as a human race, my God, we mustn't let this crisis go to waste. We really must not.
0: Thanks, Mark. Mark Adams there from Vitsu. Next up, we're with Jackie Ma, the Australian founder of bag brand and accessories company Good Ordering. Jackie sells her products on her website, at stores and stockists all over the world, and before the crisis hit, at a Saturday market here in London. Well, she wrote a blog post recently with ideas about how her business and others like it can make it through the coming months, so I thought I'd invite her on to share some of the top tips. And Jackie, your first point was all about product management, right?
2: I've got a really strong relationship with my factory in China. In fact, when I was working at Puma, you know, we'd go over there every three months and we'd sit down and do product development. And it's something that I've really prided myself on, on the relationship with the factory in China. When the guys come over to the UK, you know, we always go out for dinner and go to the pub together and I'm designing the bags myself. And they make samples for me for free. In this time, I've just been really trying to take advantage of like designing some new products and getting samples made because the factories in China have now reopened after you know, all the craziness that was going on over there. One of the areas that I've, I've been looking at is running. So the, the brand's always been about cycling traditionally. But I think that even after all of this blows over, people are going to be walking, running, cycling to work more. I think that's going to carry on. So I'm, I'm starting to yeah just look at different areas to design products in.
0: How are you shifting your, your marketing formats as well? On the post, you said you noticed flyers on cars on your street, which gave you the idea to, to flyer local bikes, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just think that people are going back to basics and looking at much more like innovative ways to market because obviously everything's online and people are online, but people are also looking around more and you know spending a bit more time when they're wandering around the streets and uh I think marketing has always been an area that where I think okay you can be creative when you're marketing and people will appreciate that and and then you can test it you can test it in a in a small way and when i first launched the brand whatever 2012 i did do the flyering of the bikes and it didn't work at all but I'm trying it again. You can't just completely give up on an idea. You know, there's such thing as the right timing as well.
0: Has it worked this time around? Are you literally walking around with a mask on, putting flyers on bikes?
2: No, I mean, I do put, like, I just have, like, little cards where I can, you know, stick them on certain kinds of bikes in the neighborhood. Because I don't want to be, like, you know, a pain or anything. But, yeah, it does work.
0: Another thing you pointed out in the post was you know, you shouldn't be afraid of asking your customers directly for help. Because if you built up some loyalty, they're probably bound to want to help you.
2: Yeah, because they want to see the brand, you know, survive. And I guess it's even more relevant for businesses like cafes and, you know, hospitality, but even for a product brand like mine, I've kind of changed that idea a little bit, like rather than just like blatantly asking for help, I've kind of honed it a little bit over the last few days, which is, something that's worked really well for me is to go back through my product review. So I've gone onto my website and I go into like my products and I've looked at all my reviews, which back, you know, say a few months ago, I didn't have time to read every product review. There was a guy in New Zealand who wrote a product review of one of my bags, which he didn't really like that much. Like he didn't, the the bag, he had some issues with it. And he kind of wrote this really long review about like all the issues with it. And then I kind of, it was published in January. So I emailed him and said, I'm really sorry that you feel like this. You know, it's a work in progress. Sorry it's taken me so long to respond, but you know, I've got some time now to respond. Sent him a gift voucher. And then the next day I was like looking up, you know, looking on my phone where all my sales come in and I got a huge order from him, not using the gift voucher, followed by an email, basically him saying, I was over the moon to hear from you. You know, I can't believe that you took the time to write. And, you know, of course, you know, I've I've managed to fix the bag and it's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. I really appreciate the gift voucher, but I'm not going to use it. And then he, you know, spent another couple of hundred pounds. And I just thought that was an example of like, just for me to take the time to reach out to customers, like individually and in like smaller groups and, That's been really fruitful for me. So, because, you know, finally I've got the time to do that.
0: You also read about banding together with other like minded businesses as a way to collectively support one another, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is the best time in the world to grow your Instagram following and your social following. And not for sales specifically, but just so you can like grow the community because everyone knows that that's at the end of the day is what's going to be beneficial. So, yeah, I've been doing a few different giveaways and competitions and, and even product swaps, you know, like brands that I really love their products, you know, do little swapsies and just having the time to like connect with people without being obsessed with like a direct payoff right now. I think that's the key thing about not feeling like completely desperate for sales money, even though that's really important, but just sort of taking the time to do other important stuff that might pay off in the future.
0: You listed a couple of really interesting bullet points as well on the post of, of things to do, things to remind yourself day by day, step by step for dummies. So on that list was keep monitoring sales day by day, even more so than before. I mean, this seems like a, a no-brainer, just like look at where the cash is coming in and, and how much how much cash is coming in.
2: But I do really, really believe that by focusing on, you know, if I need four sales today, I need four sales today, you know, you will subconsciously go and seek those four sales and make them happen. And
0: I saw on LinkedIn, you posted as well, you're like, I need five bag sales today to make a profit or something, literally telling your customers, like, I need X.
2: Yeah. And then like, when I did that, my brother texted me and said, are you going to go bankrupt? If, if you don't get five sales, should I buy a bag? And I was like, no, 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 it's not that it's like overall every day. That's what I need. And the other thing is like my digital marketing guy emailed me and said, if you want to drop your marketing spend, we can do that. And my first reaction was like, you know, no, as long as the ROI is still delivering, I'm not going to just try to radically reduce costs to the detriment of the, of the company. I mean, it's the same as orders. I've still ordered new bags, you know, from my factory in China, spending money on all the, you know, the areas that I need to just trying to... I guess like I, I talk about this when, you know, with the, it's like a weird driving analogy, but like with my partner and I, when we're driving and I say, just hold your lane, hold your lane, you know, when there's like cars zooming past you and, and the car's like shaking because we've got a really crappy car and it's just like, hold your space and don't be pushed around by the wind or the, the other cars zooming past and, you know, just try and hold, hold your lane kind of thing. And that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment.
0: What are some things that you would recommend that entrepreneurs definitely do not do?
2: I would say the first one is like, don't panic, you know, like the, my driving analogy, like the worst thing you can do is like, you know, s- swerve off the road kind of thing. I guess don't panic. Don't stray too far away from your original brand strategy. So for example, like I remember once I, I had a lot of people buying my bags that were using the bags as buggy bags for babies. And I thought, oh, great, this is another whole you know, marketing route and another whole audience. And I started to like market the bags to parents with babies and it confused everything. You know, I even got confused. Everyone was confused. Okay. People might use the bags for babies, but the brand is still about cycling. You know, that's the essence of the brand and to stick to that, you know, so that's really important. I think one of the other don'ts is don't think too short sightedly, like don't cancel any bigger plans that you really believe in.
0: It's kind of like the keep your eye on the horizon, even though you might be in a storm right now, the horizon is still going to be there. and
2: Yeah, I mean, you need to be open to, like, what's going to change. At the same time, survival's pretty good, you know? Like, I think that just being able to keep your head above water in times like this is a huge achievement. It's like with my family, it's like as long as they're all alive after this and I haven't, like, we haven't killed each other, that's amazing. So... I think in times like it's desperate times, desperate measures, it's that kind of time.
0: My special thanks to Mark Adams from Vitsu and Jackie Ma from Good Ordering for today's show. Have an idea, story, tips, feedback, question, pretty much anything at all. Just get me at daniel at couriermedia.co. Make sure to also sign up to Courier Weekly, our Friday email newsletter, for more stories of pivoting, adapting and surviving. That's at couriermedia.co slash sign up. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. The Courier Daily is back again tomorrow.